Hello, everybody. Michael Lombardo here. Welcome to Awaken Podcast. If you want to find out more information about our ministry, you can go to www.lifeportoutintl.org. This show, Awaken Podcast, is streaming through the Charisma Podcast Network. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, pretty much anywhere podcasts are listened to. We have a new show every Monday and Thursday. Here, I talk to amazing people from around the world who have a message and a heart burning for the Lord Jesus that are doing great exploits, you know, here in America and all over, as well as have some teaching shows where we break open the Bible and dive deep into the Word of God. I have my wife on the show, and we we have several topics about what's going on, what we feel like the Lord is saying, what the Lord's doing in our lives. And so our passion is to see the bride awaken to the knowledge of Jesus, an intimate knowledge of Jesus, that they may know who he is, who they are, the tools they possess as believers so they could walk out their calling and they can move forward in this life for the kingdom of God. And so thank you guys so much for tuning in. And I, like usual, I'm going to open up with a scripture, very short scripture, and I just really loved how it's put, but it's the Apostle Paul in Romans 1.1, simply introducing himself. Paul, um, he's introduced himself, I am Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, which I love. It just says so much right there. Paul is a servant of Christ Jesus. He was called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of God. Now, the apostle Paul, all of us, first of all, all of us are servants of Christ. We just love him. We want to obey him. We want to walk with him. But the apostle Paul is specifically called to be an apostle, and he was set apart, sanctified and set apart for the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of God. Now, every single believer has been set apart for God in intimacy with the Lord to worship him, but also a specific calling on our lives, not just the apostles and the prophets, but every single believer has been set apart by the Lord for his purposes. And we're going to get into that a bit today. My guest, his name is Banning Leapshire. He is the founding pastor of Jesus Culture, a ministry of worship events um, and leadership development. In 2014, Banning and his wife and their family and the Jesus Culture team planted Jesus Culture Sacramento, a church committed to seeing believers encounter God, to be empowered as world changers and engage their city as leaders. Banning is the author of four books, the latest one being The Three Mile Walk, The Courage You Need to Live the Life God Wants for You. And Banning and his wife have three children, but today we're going to be talking about The Three Mile Walk, really diving into the message there. Banning, thanks for joining me on the show today. Uh, thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here. As you said, you you read 2014. I'm sitting here thinking, man, I can't believe it's been that long already, <laughs> but it's good to be with you. Awesome, man. I love to hear. We're kind of going to break into the book here, but I always love to hear, you know, yeah, a lot of people know about Jesus culture. You've planted an amazing church. Um, what really started this journey for you and the Lord? How did you encounter him for the first time? Well, I grew up in the church, so I grew up pretty conservative Baptist, pretty legalistic, but I grew up in the church. But I was 17 years old and started attending youth group at Bethel Church in Reading. Uh, okay. This was before, if you, if anybody knows Bethel, this is before Bill Johnson was there. Okay. But I started going to youth group there and uh, got just got really involved. And what one night came out to a Sunday night service that my youth pastor was speaking at for church at the Sunday night service. And uh, I just went forward to the, the ministry call time. And I, I just said, God, if I'm going to do this Christianity thing, I'm going to do it 100%. And uh, no goosebumps, no lightning bolts, no angels, <laughs> but I just said, God, I'm going to go for it. And, I, and, I, and everything changed that night and uh, just really encountered the Lord in a, in a fresh way. And it just started a, a journey of just pursuing God. 
so yeah, that's kind of my story. And then just, and then when Bill showed up, when Bill Johnson showed up at the church, I was 19, I guess. And, um, yeah, that for me is when I just encountered God in a whole new way and revival and the Holy Spirit and oh, yeah. the whole thing. So, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so I love the, that the part of your story that you're saying, Hey, it was just a, fr- it was a commitment. You, you came to the altar. It was a, it was a commitment to Lord. I want to live for you. I want to be a hundred percent. There was no feelings, no goosebumps, no encounters. Like at the end of the day, like, you know, it's amazing when we encounter the Holy spirit and he becomes tangible and we see visions, have dreams and the prophetic flows and you know, healings, miracles, all that stuff is incredible. Yeah. But sometimes yeah. people feel like, man, if I don't get a goosebump or I don't have a feeling or there's nothing tangible, then really what took place, people are seeking after those manifestations instead just truly just coming to the Lord as is by faith and committing yourself. So I feel like that's really a good part of your story because so many people are after feeling so much. Yeah, no, it's true. And it's, it's funny. I mean, you look back and not trying to romanticize anything, but I just went forward and said, God, I'm going to give everything I have to this. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it's, it's, you know, interesting enough, I, I didn't even, uh, to, from, for, to my knowledge, I'd never even thought about preaching or being in ministry. And mm-hmm. I went home that night. And I looked at my mom, 17 years old, uh, a few weeks before my senior year in high school. And I went home and I said, mom, I know what I want to do with my life. I want to preach. <laughs> and, uh, and I, I don't even know where it fully came from, but that, and I knew that. And it, again, it wasn't an encounter and I've had the, I've had the other encounters, but it yeah. wasn't one of those encounters. It was just an encounter where I just made a decision and said, all right, God, let's do this. And he met me. Yeah. And so, yeah, I agree. Sometimes we're going from one feeling to the next feeling Yeah. <laughs> rather than uh, just making, making a commitment. Sure. Good, the bad, and the ugly, I'm in. Absolutely. And even, you know, just in my story, when I encountered the Lord and I got born again, I had these new desires bubble up in my heart and it wasn't anything extremely supernatural. It was just like, wow, like before I got saved, I hated reading books. I read, I think I read one book in my life in high school and I would yeah. look at the footnotes for everything else, you know what I mean? And just try to, I just got my way through high school, but I had this desire to read and devour books. And then I had a desire to write and the Lord told me seven years, but it wasn't, it was like the whisper of the Holy Spirit in my heart, but it was a new desire that just came out of my commitment to the Lord. And so sometimes we're looking for something majestic, something extraordinary, but simply it's the Lord in us giving us new desires. And, um, that's, that's, yeah. that's awesome. And so I read, I read, no, the, absolutely. I, I read through your book, the three mile walk. And I want to, I want to break into this. You know, you talk about moments that mark us as believers, you know, in the first chapter of your book. And it's funny because we're talking about a different encounters of the Lord that mark us, but you talk about in your first chapter about moments that mark us as believers and even related to Jonathan in the old Testament. And you, and you go through that. I would love to just lay a foundation with that here. Yeah, you know, I think that there are moments of awakening that uh, they're not always the salvation moment for us. I mean, there's that moment, but then there are moments where God just begins to awaken something in us. He begins to stir something. He begins to reveal things to us about who we are and what we're called to. Sometimes they're dramatic and sometimes they're subtle. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's a book that you read. It's a sermon that you heard. It's a scripture that came alive, but something that just began to stir within you. And I, and I think we, uh, and I, I really think that these are the moments when God begins to awaken and reveal to us who he's calling us to be and what he's calling us to do. And so this, I, you know, these moments for me, whether it was reading a book on Billy Graham or a book on Martin Luther King or, 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 or hearing a sermon from Mike Bickle, I just look back and there were times when God was just awakening something inside of me. Mm. And I think that as believers, one of the things I really want to challenge believers is we, we need to pay attention 
to the moments uh, that have happened over our lives, even the subtle ones, the dramatic ones, because it's God trying to reveal something to us. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. You know, I just think that's, that's very powerful. And like you talk about, you know, I've had many moments in my life where the Lord speaks to me. And honestly, what we need are moments of, you know, like even the Lord says, you know, if you seek me, you'll find me. If you knock, I'll answer, you know, and it's these moments of, you know, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. And if we're just constantly aware of the Lord and seeking the Lord in our day-to-day life, whether that be in, you know, in our private prayer closet or whether that be on our way to work, driving in the car, whether that be in church or whether that be at work, if we're just constantly having our hearts turned to the Lord, just aware of his presence, aware of his movements, we'll see that he is speaking to us and he is reaching and he is sharing you know, different things. Like I remember I would just see even things in the natural, like when I was being called to Dallas, Texas to go to CFNI, like everything was pointing to Texas. Everything was pointing to Dallas. When I went to Mozambique, Africa to serve with Heidi Baker, I couldn't get Africa away from my mind. Every book I read had Africa in it. I was meeting African people that were doing missions over there. And it's just like the Lord is constantly reaching. And these are moments where he begins to set our focus on something and pull us towards destiny. Yeah, I, I think you're right, and and I this is one of the things that I encourage people with is is as we kind of discover what God is saying, we need to enjoy the journey of it all because God is wanting to walk with you as He speaks with you, and yeah. and they're mixed analogies, but He's painting a picture. Mm-hmm. So so you know, one brush brush stroke is a conversation you had about Texas. The other brush stroke is, you know, a brochure that shows up. The other brush stroke is, and he's painting a picture. And if we can walk with him and pay attention, we begin to see clearly what he's trying to speak to us and what he's trying to paint and reveal to us. But it takes time. It takes, it takes intentionality. It takes paying attention. It takes enjoying the journey of walking with Jesus. So many of us want, like, I want to know right now what he's saying (laughs) rather than He's a God that kind of reveals in pieces sometimes because he's wanting us to walk with him. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I feel like when I first got, when I first encountered the Lord and he began to reveal destiny to me and who, who I am and my identity, it's like God, God showed me that I'd be ministering to, to, to multitudes and I've in small pieces seen that and like ministry and missions and but like I wanted to do it right away when God would show me something I would think okay well ABC and um I'll be there you know just take one turn here make one decision there and three months later I'll be doing what God's called me to do but there's this beautiful process of growing with the Lord getting to know him intimately allowing him to refine us you talk about about this a lot in your book the three mile walk just like how the Lord you know what he does in us and the necessary essentials we need to carry in terms of walking out our call like it's it's a process and the Lord's doing something vital on the inside of us so that we can be everything we're supposed to be when he puts us before kings when he has us put our hand to you know when, when we're before the masses or when we're in front of an individual that needs to hear about the Lord or when he wants us to start that business we need to have certain pieces on the inside of us and that's you know I, I love that about your book you talk about not just the externals focusing on the externals but just even allowing the lord to work on us internally and home so many people are just focused on ministry 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 but you know, yeah. you know deep down we need to tend the garden of our heart we need to we need to grow internally and become that strong and have a strong foundation so we could be everything god's called us to be yeah, I think I think one of the things that hinders us in current society is we don't live in an agricultural society anymore. 
Mm-hmm. So because of that, we, we live in an information, te- you know, it's a tech- technology age, information age. And so we just are, you know, we're just programmed to expect things now. We don't even have to, I mean, you know, my kids wouldn't even know what Blockbuster is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, my kids wouldn't even understand the concept of having to go to a, um, a you know, a store to, to stand in line to go, you know, look for movies that hopefully are there if you get there <laughs> soon enough and bring them home. Yeah. They, 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 don't have, they don't have to do that. They get the movie right now. Like, yeah. <laughs> if they want to watch that movie, they watch it right now. And uh, Amazon, you know, Amazon now and, and everything is so fast. Even our phones, it's fascinating to me. We will go by and we will spend $1,000 for a new phone. And when they ask what's different about it, it, you know, it, it, it loads a second faster. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, you know, so one, 1,000 to 1,000, I didn't want to wait till three, 1,000. Yeah. So my point is, is that we're just used to that. So all of a sudden you start walking with God and he's slow. <laughs> he's like, let's take our time. I want to develop your inner world. We're going to go on a journey together. We're going to do this. And, and, you know, when Jesus taught and when the Bible was written, it was in an agricultural age. So people mm-hmm. understood this. People understand you plant and their seasons and that it takes some time to grow. They understand that if you plant a seed uh, for a fruit tree, that it takes seven years before fruit comes. Yeah. Some, some, um, some nut trees, it takes 20 years. Yeah. I plant a seed 20 years later, there's a nut. I plant a seed seven years later, there's fruit. And so we're so confused though. I've got a vision, I've got a call, I've got a destiny. And when it doesn't happen tomorrow, I'm like, what's going on? What's wrong? And I'm like, nothing's wrong. You're on a journey with the Lord. He's developing you and growing you and he's giving you what you need and he's not in a hurry. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's hard for us sometimes. It's hard for us. Oh, sure. Uh, but but relation, relationships aren't in a hurry, right? Yeah. When I go when I go over to a friend's house to have dinner, I'm not in a hurry. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to figure out how fast I can get through dinner. Like sure. it's a slow process or any fine dining experience. This was my massive first time I went to a, a really nice restaurant as a teenager. I remember how long it took. They're not in a hurry. Yeah. They're just not in a hurry. They're bringing out the first course and you take your time and enjoy it. Then you get second course. And I think sometimes we're just thrown off by that. I'm like, listen, you're in a fine dining experience with Jesus. <laughs> He's not in a hurry, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and we have to trust that. Is there anything that, that challenges our trust as much as God's timing? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. The other day I was on my phone. I had to get a bunch of stuff done. I was doing emails and I was knocking stuff out and my phone literally was just not as fast as my fingers. And I'm like, what's, I'm like, why can't my phone keep up with my fingers right now? Does not, does it not know that I need to get all these things out before I need to go out? But it's like, I think I was talking to my friend about that. We were laughing like, what in the world's wrong with us that like our hands are fat? Like we're getting upset that it's just taking half a second longer or whatever. But, um, that's the age. We're talking about half a second. We're talking about half a second. I think here's why that's important to understand what you just said, because this really genuinely affects our walk with God. Mm We just do not realize how unaccustomed we are to delays. Yeah. 
we are not used to delays. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, and we just have to understand, oh, I'm struggling right now because it's taking longer than I thought. But you know what? Uh, like the kingdom is different than the world. So it's important to understand. I think when you see it, then you go, oh, mm-hmm. okay, I'm fine. I, I can wait. You know, yeah. God's doing something, you know, so yeah. Absolutely. And you as a pastor and a, you know, someone who develops leaders and you have an amazing worship team and people under you and you're training in the church continually, you know, you, you, you run into so many people like, Hey, in the church where, you know, we, we base our value on what we're doing and how successful we are. If we're, you know, truly doing X, Y, Z, then we, you know, then, then we've made it or we're doing, we're doing good for God. If we can get these few things going, but you, you emphasize in your book, the importance of the internal, that all things flow All the issues of life flow from our heart. And honestly, when I was at CFNI, I was newly saved. I went to Bible school and I took time. I was like, I'm going to be here for three years and I'm going to get to know Jesus before I do ministry, before I do anything. And yes, I got involved in some ministries. We did evangelism. We did all kinds sure. of stuff. But I focused more importantly, I'm going to be in the prayer room. I'm going to be opening up my word. I'm going to be slowing down, learning how to slow down and just be with God. Like be still and know that I am God. And he's got that still small voice. We need to slow down to even be close to him and have been be intimate with him but you know i just feel like in this day and age as well even in the church it leaks into the church that we base our value on exactly how our church is doing how our ministry is doing how our business is doing etc i'd love to speak a little into that yeah well listen we live in a world that defines success by external things mm-hmm. and uh and the and the problem is 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 that you know as believers everything we do flows the bible talks about this all the issues of life flow from your heart and so God's, you know, we, we, we applaud and we're impressed by things that are external. We're driven by things that are external. We're motivated by things that are external rather than uh, really uh, valuing and applauding internal health. I think what I talk about too is, is that, that we're new covenant believers. Yeah. We're not old covenant believers. Uh-huh. And the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant is the old covenant was an externally motivated covenant. In other words, um, the law was an externally motivated issue. So, so um, it, you, they may tell a kid, obey your parents. And if the kid goes, I'm not going to, then we will stone you. Then we yeah. will stone you if you don't. <laughs> yeah. And the kid goes, okay, I'm going to obey my parents because I'm going to get stoned if I don't. Yeah. The new covenant is no longer an externally motivated covenant. It's internally motivated. And, and this is what I talk about with grace as well. If you think that grace is a lower standard than the law, mm. you're missing yeah. what Jesus is talking about. Sure. Grace is actually a higher standard because grace is dealing with your internal world. Yeah. So Jesus, you know, the old covenant says, don't commit adultery. The new covenant says, if you lust after somebody, you're committing adultery. Don't mm-hmm. commit murder. If you hate somebody, you're committing murder. The point of that is, how can the new covenant be a higher standard? Because what we have in the new covenant that the old covenant doesn't have is the Holy Spirit now lives in us. The Holy Spirit dwells in us, empowers us, transforms us. But that means then that we need to be an internally motivated people. Mm -hmm. That, that, That we should be, listen, in charismatic circles, of which I am, is is that we love to say we're spirit-led, but, but many times we're not spirit-led people, we're externally-led people. Yeah. It's not mm-hmm. the Spirit of God that's leading us, it's, uh, 
whatever, you know, there's so many different things. It's, it, sure. it's, it's external pressure and external guilt and external shame. And it's all this external stuff that's moving us rather than the spirit of God leading us. Mm-hmm. And so I think that we have to take time just to say, let God develop your internal world. Let him get you healthy. Let make sure that you're a, a spirit led believer um, you know, not an externally led believer. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what God's going after with us. And and we talk about this in the book, that if you're going to go on this journey, if you're going to go on this three-mile walk, you've got to make the transition to becoming an internally motivated amen. believer, uh, not an externally motivated believer. Yeah, yeah, amen. And, you know, and you talk about, you know, a lot regarding the call of God for our lives, you know, regarding the three-mile walk. And you talk about everyone's calling is important. Not one is more important than the other. The pastor is not more important than the administrator, etc. You know, but you, a quote that I pulled from your book that really resonated with me is, you know, what separates you is not the call of God on your life because every believer has a calling. What separates you is your response to the call, you know, and you go, you yeah. go deep into, you know, being set apart and holiness and what that looks like. And so many people have this view of holiness that isn't accurate, you know, and I'd love to just break that down because there's a lot of people who don't know what their calling is. I feel like that's one of the biggest struggles is yeah, I just don't know what God's called me to. I've got these desires. I've got these giftings. But, you know, we all have a calling. First of all, how do we respond to it? And second of all, like, what does that what does that look like fleshing this thing out? Yeah, well, we do all have a calling. And, and that's a big thing for me is I, you know, I grew up in circles where, you know, pastors would talk about when they received their calling and there was some type of level of like, some are called, some aren't. The reality is, is this, is God's called you to change the world. He's called you to be a leader. He's called you to make a difference. He's called you to advance his kingdom. Yeah. And, and he's called you to look like Jesus. Like 100% you have a calling. And, and what, what your assignment is and what you're, what you're called to do may look different than somebody else, but it's vital. It's just as important. And, but, but your calling requires a yes. And, and this is what I would say is that, that every invitation requires a response. So, so you see the pattern throughout scripture is that God calls, but looks for a response. So Mark chapter three, um, he called those that he himself wanted and they came to him. They responded to his call. Mm. The story of Jehu, second Kings nine, the the prophet shows up to Jehu and says, I have a message for you, but in order to receive the message, you've got to separate to an inner room. There's a response that happens. If Moses wants to meet with God, he's got to climb the mountain. There's a response that's required. The disciples had to respond by leaving everything. So there's just a constant like, and, 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 and I would say this, the invitation is available to all. This is where, when it says many are called, but few are chosen. Mm. That, there's twice that Jesus says that phrase. But in Matthew 21, when he's talking about that, it, this, this threw me off because I was like, God, why are many called but few are chosen? And I don't want to be in the many category. Mm-hmm. I want to be in the few category. How do I get into the few category? And the context of that scripture is in a king inviting people to the wedding of his son. And the first two waves of people make excuses and don't show up. Yeah. But then the third wave, they say yes and come. He ends that passage by saying many are called but few are chosen. And the reality is, is that the invitation has been extended to everybody. Yeah. Many are called, but only a few are chosen. So how do you get chosen in the kingdom? You respond and say yes. Yeah. Do you know that even Moses, Moses, who God had preordained to lead the people of Israel out, 
was still required to respond. This is the story of Exodus 3 with the burning bush. If, you ever, if you've grown up in church at all, you've heard this story in the Sunday school mm-hmm. where Moses encounters this burning bush. And, but, but do you know that the burning bush wasn't the encounter? The burning bush was the invitation. Mm, and if yeah. you read that passage, it was the burning bush. And it says, when he turned aside, when God saw that Moses turned aside to the burning bush, then he met with him and spoke with him and released the children of Israel to, be, to come out of Israel to him, to come out of Egypt. Yeah. But, but, but he was looking for, is Moses going to turn aside and respond to the burning bush? And, mm-hmm. and the burning bush was an invitation, and, a lot, and many scholars believe it wasn't, it's not a big, it wasn't a big invitation. I, like, I always imagine it as like a uh, bonfire in the desert. But, but most scholars believe that that bush was a shrub. It was this little lowly shrub that was on fire. Mm-hmm. But, but, but Moses' heart was tender enough to turn aside yeah. and respond to the invitation. And when he did, God met with him. And I would yeah. say the same thing about Revelation when it talks about, you know, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Here's the, there's, the, there's the invitation. God's not, Jesus is knocking. But it says, whoever hears my voice, and opens the door. Yeah. Like, like, like Jesus wants to come meet with you. He wants to meet with you. And there are times when he comes like Paul and just knocks you down, <laughs> shows up, knocks you down, doesn't knock on the door, kicks it in. There are definitely moments of that. But most of the time, there's a subtle invitation that he's giving you, and it requires you having a tender heart and turning aside. You're saying, God, I hear you calling me. And uh, I mean, holiness is maybe, holiness is the step of that world. It's just, I'm setting my life apart from you. I'm yeah. responding to the invitation of relationship. I'm responding to the time of prayer. I'm responding to the time of fasting, separating, whatever it would be. But, but I want to challenge anybody listening right now. There is an invitation that God has extended to you. Yeah. What separates you? is not the invitation. What separates you is if you are willing to respond mm. to the invitation. And, um, and, and at 17, that's what I did. I didn't know that's what I was doing. Sure. But at 17, when I went forward and said, God, if I'm going to do this Christianity thing, I'm going to do it hundred percent. I was responding to an invitation that he extended. And, uh, you know, the rest is, you know, quite the ride. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of people have an unhealthy view of the sovereignty of God. We're like, if God wants it done, it's just going to get done. Yeah. No. Well, at the end of the day, there is participation like the bridegroom pursues his bride, but the bride needs to respond. You know what I mean? And so uh, there's there's a yeah. partnership. There's a cooperation. It's sacred. It's holy. It's empowered by God. It's saturated with grace. One hundred percent. We can do nothing apart from him. You know, we cannot have fruit in our lives apart from the Holy Spirit's ministry and you know, and the Holy Spirit and us having a relationship with him. But at the end of the day, like the Lord is always pursuing, always wooing, and he is bringing us to a place where we can see him for who he is and respond, turn aside and say, yes, there's a lot of people that say, no, how come the world's so broken and messed up? There's a lot of people who are, you know, um, you know, not hardening their heart towards the Lord, you know, turning away from the Lord, but he's looking for those, those people who respond have a tender heart and respond to him. So that's, I believe a vital truth and even just to kind of, you know, bring, bring this in here, you know, you talk about the importance of courage, the vitality of courage in terms of, you know, operating in the call of God for our lives. And, you know, especially in this day and age with everything that's taking place all over the world, 
you know, with with you know, there's just there's just dark and perilous times taking place all over the world right now. Yeah. More, more than ever, we need courage as believers because we have no clue where this thing is going. And so, I would love to just speak yeah. into that a little bit. Like the church needs courage and faith in this hour. Well, the call that's on your life is twofold. It's identity and mission. So the call that's on your life is both a call to be, God's trying to shape you, mold you, form you, and then a call to do. He's calling you to partner with his plans and purpose in the earth. Both of those aspects of the call of God in your life require a massive, massive amount of courage. Yeah. Following Jesus requires courage. Therefore, what I would encourage people listening right now is this. If you're discouraged, understand that those who are going after Jesus have to face that sometimes because it's the attack. The enemy comes to discourage you because he knows this. If he can take your courage, then you'll never be who God's called you to be. and You'll never do what God's called you to do. So he comes to discourage you, to disarm you of your mm. courage. And so our job then is to go, okay, I understand how the enemy works. He's trying to discourage me. Maybe it's not my entire life. Maybe it's my finances. Maybe it's my marriage. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's my work. Maybe it's my future. He's trying to discourage me. So as believers, we have to say, I, I have to live encouraged, and I can do something about that. Yeah. I can position my life to live full of courage in the presence of God, in the word of God, in the community of God. Like I can position my life to live full of courage. And I want to challenge people, do not do not, do not stay in a place of discouragement. It's too costly. You cannot afford to stay discouraged. And so whatever you, you know, whatever you got to do to be encouraged, find that place because, um, courage is what's needed if you're going to follow God. Yeah. Yeah. And even as you're talking, I was kind of just setting my heart on the Lord and I just, you know, saw a little picture of just question marks over people's heads. And I feel like there's a lot of people that got tons of questions, of course, but they're a little bit lost, and especially in this time and in this hour. They're just being they're just being blown by the wind. There's being moved by opinions, you know, and there's just like, what do I do? How do I make a difference? How do I raise my voice? You know, posting on social media is really not going to do anything. So what what can I do? You know, just people that are lost and confused and have a lot of questions. I'd love to you know, just have a have a moment here of just kind of prayer you know, to be able to pray for these, however you feel led. Yeah, absolutely. Well, can, I just want to, maybe I can just encourage people with this. Yeah. We're in a, we're in a crazy season, but it's not a wasted season. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are looking at 2020 and they're just like, man, can't wait for this year to get over. What a waste of a year. Not what I expected. And I just want to encourage, I just want to say this, God doesn't waste seasons. He mm-hmm. works in every season. God mm-hmm. is doing something in your life right now. And I think it's time to look and say, God, what is it that you're doing in this moment? I don't want to miss what you're doing because I do not believe you waste seasons. 2020 is not a wasted year. It's not a year that I just want to set aside and never think about again. God is at work. And I believe that if you can capture what he's doing, then you'll come out stronger, better, healthier, trusting God at a deeper level. And so I just pray that over you. God, I pray that what you'll do is you'll give us clarity in this season Mm -hmm. of what you're doing. And we just declare and believe this. You're at work in this season. You don't waste seasons, God. You're at work in every season. You're not thrown off or surprised by 2020. And so, God, I pray that we would, get, that we would recognize what you're doing, that we would be able to really kind of seize that moment and allow you to develop us at a deeper level in the name of Jesus. Amen. We just received that. Thank you, Lord. Wow. So thank you so much, Banning. How do people connect with your ministry online, but then also get a hold of your book, The Three Mile Walk, The Courage You Need to Live, The Life God Wants for You? 
Yeah, well, uh, jeevesculture.com is all the website. At the Banning is my Instagram. And then uh, the Three Mile Walk, it's on Amazon, which is pretty much where everybody buys their books. But Mm -hmm. you can buy it on our store. You can buy it at Amazon. Or I think the threemilewalkbook.com will have a bunch of information on it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking time with me today, Banning. What an encouragement. Absolutely. Yeah, you carry so much truth and, and you really challenged our listeners today and myself as well. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. For those who are listening, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It'll help us get it out to more people so they can be challenged, inspired, and blessed by the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look forward to speaking with you next time on Awaken Podcast.